Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Maker Chat Live. I'm Adam Krutinger, and we have a great show for you today. All right, and we have Daryl Maloney here today. Welcome to the show, bud. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, without getting, so you've got a lot of stuff to show us. Uh, And before we do that, just tell us in your own words exactly what do you do? (laughs) So, I uh, 3D model and 3D print mostly props, Um, helmets. I'm really into helmets um, from Marvel, uh, DC, um, Lord of the Rings, any kind of uh, those pop fiction movies that are out now. Um, So, that's kind of what I'm into as of right now. And I do a little bit of puppet making as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I can, we can see a lot of the stuff behind you. I don't know if that was yeah. stuff you're hoping to show us. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, one thing I was absolutely in love with growing up was Power Rangers. And that White Ranger helmet has got me drooling behind you there. <laughs> actually, actually- I, didn't make, I didn't make that one. That one was actually a purchase. I believe that was made by um, Hasbro, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. 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 That's awesome, though. That's that's so amazing. Um. So yeah. So you know, one thing I just want to do before we get too far into it too is to show people a couple of the projects that I've uh, seen you work on. One recently, one actually, it was it was a year ago. Your most recent one on your YouTube channel were those uh, Kermit. Um. Uh. How would you describe it again? What is it called? It. it they're Kermit swords. Um. So there's an episode on Muppet Babies, the newer ones. Um, where Kermit was venturing into like an imaginary land and he had a sword and I thought it would be cool to make it and kind of make it lifelike. Um, unfortunately, I don't have it with me right now. I'm actually um, need to send those off to the voice actor for that for that um, cartoon. Oh, really? For Kermit. Um, so those are going to be sent off to him. Yeah. Yeah, we have them up on the screen there. So there's a red one and uh, I guess what I would assume is the normal one. Uh, were they both part of the show? No, the, the blue one was, the red one was kind of, I was experimenting. So this project was an experiment as well. Um, I was learning how to make two-part molds, casting in clear resin, um, doing, um, uh, trying to get all the air bubbles. So I was experimenting with different dyes, different glitters, how to mix them with resin. So that's why I did the red one. I was experimenting with, um, spraying down chrome paint paint and um painting like transparent red paint over it um just experimenting with different things and i came up with the red one so that's how the red one came about but the blue one is more accurate to the cartoon yeah man it looks so beautiful and watching those videos man it's just such a wealth of knowledge and one thing it made me uh one question it made me think of for you is when do you decide to print something and have that be the prop versus printing something to then uh, mold and cast it in a resin? Um, I don't have any rhyme or reason for it. Um, again, I'm still new to making molds. So most of the props that I have now, I'm trying to make into molds as practice to get used to um, and get accustomed to making molds. So um, I may say, may see something and say, hey, like eventually I may want to make that into a kit. Um, there's an old cartoon called Captain Bucky O'Hare. Um, oh. He has this really cool pistol. Um, and that is something that I actually modeled with the intention of being a resin kit. So it actually comes in kit pieces where if you get the piece, you can put it together yourself and paint it. Um, so that is something I intentionally um, wanted to to mold and, and um, you know, have cast in resin. But I mean, it's really, I can't say that I have like a, a definite defined saying, hey, I want to make this a a resin piece or finish this piece as a um yeah as a piece of part 
Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because because um, again, in looking at some of your different projects that you've done and 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 whatnot, uh, obviously I noticed that that one you three D printed to essentially make what would be the buck that you or, or the pattern to mold it. Uh, and I'm yeah. assuming part of that is because you needed the translucency of the blade, which you probably couldn't yeah. get in the in the print necessarily. So in the show, the the blade is not clear. It does light up, but it's not clear. I thought just thinking through it when I actually modeled it, like how cool would it be to have the blade clear, but have the tinted blue. And the only way I can achieve that at the time was making a mold and casting in clear resin. Now I have a uh, resin printer where I can actually print that piece instead of having it um, cast in the resin. But again, I wanted to practice for myself. Okay, you know, maybe I was just fooled by the paint job because it looked like it had like a translucent, like a foggy kind of look to it. But it does, uh, it does, it does. Okay. So there's actually um like, I, I mixed in glitter powder into it. So yeah, there's actually a little bit of um shimmer to it when you see it up close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, comparing that to like when you did uh your infinity gauntlet, which that <laughs> video, look at the size of that thing. Oh my god, <laughs> that is humongous. And that is actually that's the 3D print itself that you that you finished, right? Yes. So at that time, I was just getting into 3D printing. When I made that video, I wasn't even thinking about I was play I was flirting with the idea whether or not I wanted to make a YouTube video. Um, and there's a lot of footage I left out, a lot of steps I left out because I didn't know if I was actually going to make the video or not. Um, and that I just wanted to get done. I was inspired by seeing the actual prop. Um, I believe it was a Comic-Con. They had bought the actual gauntlet out and, um, I kind of just took it from there. And I just decided I had this piece and like trying to mold that. And even at the time I was like very new to even 3d printing. It just would have been a disaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, one thing that I'm sure you're familiar with, but mold making can be very expensive in itself, you know? Yes. Yeah. So yes. if you're able to print up the item and use it as is, you're going to save a heap of money, though you might, you know, you might lose uh, the strength uh, or, or other elements that you need of it. But um, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Casting and and mold making is not not very uh, cost efficient, but I uh, know of course though if you're making a whole bunch of something, it actually is more cost effective and saves time. So for example, yeah, yeah if you had to make I don't know for some reason, let's say you had to make twenty of those swords, you wouldn't mm -hmm. want to three D print twenty of them. You'd want to make one, mold it, and then you could crank them all out in probably a, a couple days. Then exactly because you got to figure that that print for the for the sword. Um, I think it took maybe anywhere from, depending, I forgot what the infill was, but it took about a day and a half or so to print. Um, you put more swords on the bed, that increases the time, and then you have to account for any failures that you may have with the print, and you got to clean it all over again, um, and it, it's, just, it's more time consuming. Um, so sometimes it does make sense to take that original um, print, clean it up make a mold and then if you want to mass produce it now you have a mold to to make a couple copies out of oh that makes sense that's a, that's great now no one thing i'm also thinking about because i don't i don't 3d print uh my dad mm -hmm. had one and he's printed a thing or two for me and designed them for me which i can show you that in a little bit it's nothing nothing too fancy but it's, it's neat and helpful um one thing is i know you, you can print in different resolutions right yes so now I guess one question I have is when you are making a prop, do you mm -hmm. want to go to the highest resolution you can? Or do you, because I know the higher you go, the longer it's going to take the print. The True. lower that you go, the more um, uh, space, the more layer lines you'll have, which means more body work you'll have to do to it. 
Yep. But if you're going to do the body work anyway, and you know you're mm-hmm. going to do the body work anyway, I'm sure you maybe don't go necessarily as high as you need to, I'm assuming. So that's my thinking behind it. Um, and again, it comes down to how much detail is in the piece. Um, so regardless of if I'm doing body work or not, if there's a lot of detail, I want to print at a higher resolution because I want the printer to capture that detail. Um, now, whether or not I lose some, during the print because it's not always perfect. Um, you know, that's to be determined later on. But I always try and find that fine line in between. Maybe say, like, I don't go all the way to the highest resolution, but I kind of keep it somewhere in the middle um, so that I don't have as much work to do, but then yet still I don't lose um, a lot of detail, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. So like, so like, for example, for the sword, I yes. assume maybe that's something you wanted to go a little higher on because I saw you actually polish the, um, you know, the printed version. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was, and, and that was after like a good amount of um, primer filler was put on to the, to the sword. Um, I got it to a certain point where I was able to polish it because if you take that print to the polisher, it's just going to eat through that plastic. Um, so I needed kind of a buffer, which was the the primer. And it, it kind of like when I, what I learned is when you buffer that primer, it actually kind of like sets in and gives it almost like a coat over the print. Mm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Do you get that locally? The, um, oh, the, primer. The, the primer. Yeah. It's regular automotive um, primer filler, Rust-Oleum. You oh, get it at home, home Depot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the, it's, I've seen the primer before, but I've never seen the primer filler that I, that I've noticed. Yeah. So the primer filler, what I tell people is that it aids because a lot of people, um, if you if you pay attention to some people that actually um, finish their props, uh, 3D prints, they use the primer filler as a means to kind of one to see um, where your errors are at and what how much work you have done, and then two, um, it helps fill in those layer lines. So once you once that's the primer dries and you sand it, it kind of fills in the layer lines. Oh, okay. I see. I see. You know, another thing I wanted to get into a little bit more into depth in, into that is some of the finishing techniques that you do. Can you kind of walk us through the, you know, straight out of the printer? What are your first steps that you do? Sure. So straight out, straight off the printer, um, I clean up the supports. So depending on how much um, support material there is. Um, and for those that don't know, support material is uh, the helmet or whatever I'm printing may need to be supported by extra material sitting on the bed so that it doesn't either fall over on itself or um, somehow get misshapen. So that extra support is there and it's printed underneath or wherever the support is needed. So I clean the support up. Um, next, I, I usually start sanding first. I don't hit it with primer immediately. I start off with at least 120 grit. So I, and um, the most important thing is I sand under a bright light. So this way I can see that I'm smoothing out the lines. And then I start moving up in numbers in um, sandpaper. And once, I, um, once I'm to a point, and maybe that's at 320 grit sandpaper, um, that I think it's smooth enough, then I will um, hit it with the first coat of primer. I'll let that dry. And well, then I'll- uh, Quick, so that whole sanding process, going through mm-hmm. those steps, on your average helmet, how long would you usually spend sanding? Uh a while um it, and, and again it depends it depends on the resolution that i printed it at um it depends on what happened on the bed because sometimes you have um layer separations um so, i mean at most i'd say a few hours maybe three four hours of good standing 
Um, and then, and that's not, and that's the initial sanding. So then after that, after I get the primer on, there's another set of sanding. And then I even move up to wet sanding once I get it nice and um, smooth. And I, if I'm going for like a real polished look, I'll go ahead and wet sand it as well. So that's another, so you're looking at almost a, it take me a good day to get a nice helmet, um, nice and smooth to the point where I can either finish it or, or mold it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause that's one thing I think a lot of beginners in almost any field, especially woodworking and probably in this as well, they tend to not take the sanding as seriously or do it as, as nice of a job when they're first starting out. And then as they go on in their career, they realize how important that is and the difference that that really makes. And I made that same mistake. I owe, cause I've always heard people saying that it's the, the, the pre-process, the process before the painting, that's the most important part. And I totally disregarded that. Um, and one of my first prints, I don't have a, somewhere in the garage, um, I just went straight to painting it and realized it didn't look that well. Um, and then, you know, became, you know, learned to value that process of that, 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 that pre-process before actually painting it, um, comes in handy and, it, and, it, you know, you get a nice looking piece when you're done. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, another thing that uh, we were talking about earlier and, um, and I wanted your opinion on is so a lot yeah. of people, some people 3d model their own products. And yeah. other people uh, purchased um, uh, files, right? Is that, is that yeah. they purchased the files? Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you do some of both. I I tend to not purchase files. I maybe purchase a few files. Like my very first video was a purchase file. Um, I 3D modeled prior to 3D printing. Um, that's how it, it was kind of like that natural progression. Um, and I actually had to learn how to 3D model for printing because it's two different kind of um, workflows that you have to go through um, when you're modeling something for a render or you're modeling something for 3D print. So there's certain things that have to be in check and in place for a 3D model to print versus a 3D model that you that you would just be rendering for. Um, there's certain things you can get away with with render and certain things that you cannot get away with when 3D modeling for a um, print. So um, I. As of right now, I tend to model 99% of my stuff. I, I haven't bought a file in like, I can't even remember. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, one thing I guess I might recommend to people who are newer to this too, um, definitely it's always probably the most uh, um, satisfying to you know do your own models and do that yeah. i imagine some people who want to jump in quick and you know they might want to just buy some files just to get use of to some of those other processes so so you 3d modeled that uh kermit sword yes i did um i was actually watching the cartoon with my kids and how most how how it happens most of the time i'm watching something and i'm like oh that looks cool i'll do a little research pull some reference files um reference pictures and start modeling the thing and I'll have it on the printer a few hours later. Wow. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, another thing I was thinking too is, so when you 3d print things for, mm -hmm. for different reasons, you don't always do it as one piece and one, again, I, I'm not sure if uh, I just found this on your somewhere on, I think on your Facebook. Um, yep. So those are laid out differently. Can you talk a little bit about the thinking behind uh, why you may lay things out differently on the bed? So, so for, for, for that instance, one of, that's the um, nano gauntlet from Endgame. Um, so something that um, it's, it's for cleanup process, for post-processing, it's easier to, to, to deal with the parts broken up like this versus printing it all in one piece. So 
Yeah, if like banding between the fingers or something, that would be really tough. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you get the the possibility of actually those breaking off. Maybe the printer didn't um, bind those parts good enough and you have a part that's fall off. Now you have to glue that part back. Um, you may not be able to get into certain areas with your sandpaper. Um, so when I'm modeling, I'm thinking about the post-processing part. Um, I'm thinking about, okay, if I leave this part on here, how good am I going to be able to get in there with sandpaper and sand that part? Or is this part going to be um, better if I break it off and then I can paint this part separately? Let's say it's a gold part. So for instance, speaking of the nano gauntlet, the little pieces on the bottom there, those are silver. Um, trying to get that with a hand with, you know, with a, with a paintbrush might be a little bit more difficult than actually having the part separate. And I can just spray that and glue it on in its place. So kind of just thinking through that process of um, what works best post-processing. It has to do with size as well. Sometimes the print may not fit on the bed and it's just easier to break it down into pieces so that everything could fit and print nicely on the bed. Okay. That, that's awesome. You know, uh, now it, it is, so this print here, is this the same one as this one or that's no, so that, that's totally different. So the first one that I did the video, that's the infinity gauntlet from um, infinity war. And then the, this picture here, that's from Endgame. That's the nano gauntlet. So that's the gauntlet that Tony Stark made. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I'd rec I'm not. I'd recognize it uh, probably if it was if it was in color. Though I'm not. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I do know my stuff, but I'm not always that that sure <laughs> that stuff. But um, yeah, that is so cool. Wow. Yeah. And now uh, I'm looking at some other things I pulled up for you too. Uh, this uh, helmet here. This is something you th were 3D modeling. Yes, and I actually finished that one. That is Taskmaster's. Helmet from the up and coming Black Widow movie. I, I believe it's coming out in November now. Um, so a couple of reference pictures, and actually, this is that that version one of the helmet. Um, I actually modeled it once, like some initial pictures came out, and then I think it was another trailer that had came out and had a really nice up close and detailed um, photo of the um, the helmet. So I went back and remodeled it. And I actually printed. I, actually, I printed both versions. I just have to go through the process of cleaning them up and getting them looking. Yeah, nice. I think I have some of the other ones here. So just to stick on this for a second, I have a couple questions about this one. Now, when you're yeah. going to scale something like that, mm -hmm. how long did it take you to figure out the right scale to make? Because even I've, I've foam fabricated helmets before, mm -hmm. and like the first time I draft out my pattern, it's like, oh man, this is too small, and then I do it again. Yep. And even open, make it just a hair bigger, and then it's like, wow, it's like way too big now. Like, how long does it take? How do you dial that in without wasting hours and hours of printing and testing? Or is that the secret sauce? So I, um, I did a Red Hood helmet. Um, it was my second video that came out, and while it, when when I was modeling that helmet, I think I printed it maybe I can't even maybe six or ten times, oh my God. trying to get the right fitment for my head. Um, I finally got the right size. And like I said, it was after like maybe 10 prints. Once I got that size, I locked that helmet size into my program. And I took a, um, a uh, I have a, um, like a head model that I use to model my helmets around. I scaled it up to fit inside that helmet. So now when I model helmets, I use that, um, that, that head model to model my helmets. And I know that will roughly be the shape of or the size of my head. And depending on the helmet model, I'll scale it up a little bit or scale it down. Um, giving myself enough room to get the helmet on or 
um, whether parts touch the cheek too close or something like that. Um, I will scale it up or scale it down. But I generally have a, a head model that's in my program that I model my um, hel helmet models around to make sure that it's the scale. Okay. Yeah, we have a, we have a question here. They're asking, what software did you use when you started and what software are you using now? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I started off with Cinema 4D. I still use Cinema 4D. Um, I've just been comfortable with it. Uh, it's something that a program that I learned. I tried venturing over to Fusion 360, um, some more of those CAD-based programs, but I keep going back to um, Cinema 4D. Isn't it funny? You know, like you, once you just get stuck with a program, you get stuck with it. Because uh, I'm almost <laughs> embarrassed to say in my videos, I edit in Sony Vegas, which I oh, know wow. Adobe is the standard, and I actually have Adobe and pay for it. But yep. I just, I mean, it, I gotta get, I gotta get on it. You know, me too, man. I, I, I edit the Final Cut, and oh, yeah. I've been told go to Premiere, go to Premiere, and I'm just like, I'm stuck in Final Cut. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I even I tried it a couple times, but you know what? I was like, you know, also too, we don't want to spend forever editing our videos. We want to get it done exactly. quick. So we're <laughs> learning another one, and I'm not. It's not like I'm making movies and it's super fancy. I'm doing just cutting anyway. Anyway, that's part of part of my little my little rant. Um, I, we had another uh, a great question here, which was. Oh, uh, the recommendation someone gave um, is that you can uh, 3D scan your own head with most cell phones. Yes. Uh, is that a technique you've ever used? The, 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 um, there's an app on the phone. I did scan my head. Um, and then I think I, sc I, I scaled it up to that model, but I just tend to use, again, I guess as habits, yeah. I just tend to use the model that I already have um, and just model around that. But yes, well, that's I don't, again, I don't know enough about it, so I'm just guessing. So I, I wonder if when you scan your head, I, I'm sure it picks up all the dimensions well, but does yep. it to scale in most programs when you do it on your phone? Not I can't that I know. I'm sure you can change the scale, but that's not, that doesn't help you too much with what the question was. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I know of. I think you, I know at least the program that I use when I pulled it in, it was like, like tiny. And I had to scale it up to match the model that I'm already that was already existing in my program. And I still wasn't sure if it was exactly to scale. And I know there's ways you can figure it out in the program. I just haven't done it yet. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I wanted to go back to, um, uh, again, when we were talking about this helmet, uh, the next photo I have is this one. Is this still a 3D model? Yes, that's the 3D model. Okay. Um, that is again, that's version one. So version two actually has some texture on the back of the helmet. Um, and this, again, like I said, this was version one, but that, yes, that it, I think I was working through the model at that point as well. Okay. So that's, so, so just, just for my own clarification, cause I, I'm learning this too, too. So, so this is like your rough first pass and yep. then so, you go right. through and smooth stuff out and this is more smoothed out. Yeah. So the first one that you've seen is, um, the polygonal shape. So basically it doesn't have a subdivision um, plugin on it. So it's not subdividing all the polygons to make it smooth. So that's really, it's, it's, so what you see in the next picture is when it's subdivided. So basically subdivided means it's smoothing out. It adds more polygons to the existing polygons and gives you that nice smooth look there. Yeah. And then, and then obviously you can add a little color and shading there too then. Yeah. Yep. And now then this is still a 3d model then. That's the three model, and that was just some texture put onto it. Um, I just kind of like to give people a visual of what it could possibly look like once they print it and paint it. Mm, yeah, yeah. And is that a helmet that you did actually finish? 
I didn't finish it yet. I have it printed, but I haven't finished it yet. Oh. I'm kind of saving it to kind of when the movie is getting to roll out and then yeah, reset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um oh yeah. Oh, that's the um the Black Widow. Black Widow. Yep. Oh, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, another helmet I found here is this one. This is a Mandalorian, is it? Yep, the Mandalorian. That's so cool. that, that helmet has been a uh that was in the making for like since October of 2018, um, <laughs> that helmet has been in the process. Um, Norm from Tested, I was at a uh, comic, we was at New York Comic Con, and I didn't know the pictures had been released at that time. And Norm had brought it up to me. He said, Hey, have you seen? He was kind of giving me a hint. He was like, Hey, have you seen the Mandalorian pictures? And I was like, No. He was like, You may want to check that out. <laughs> when I got home, I modeled <laughs> the first version, um, totally inaccurate. I went through maybe five different versions all the way up until the beginning of this year. Uh, finally got a model that I was comfortable with. Um, I printed it and actually I have a video coming out on it. I'm hoping to get the editing done within the next week here or so. Yeah. And um, went through the post-processing process and I ha actually have it right here. Um, here it is right here. Oh, that is stunning, man. And that's the, the, yeah. that's the print itself? No, so this is actually um, I actually made a mold of this one. So this is a resin cast of the oh, wow. of the helmet. Yeah. Holy cow, man! That looks up. Uh, yeah. That looks amazing. Again, here's a, a another picture of it too. So people can see, and then that's painted. How do you get one thing? I, it's hard to get that chrome look with paint. How how do you get? Yeah. That? So this particular, this was this is a um a paint called Alumaluster. Um, it's, uh, it's a chrome paint. Um, so I had to actually, uh, getting the helmet really smooth, applying a auto grade, um, uh, coat to get the real nice gloss base for it and then spray that, um, luminous over it. And it gives you this nice, really nice chrome look. I have my hand in it cause I don't want to touch it. I'll get fingerprints all over it. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is, um, this is how, and then you can use other paints. They have other paints out there that have that have this you achieve this look, but it really depends on what you what's underneath that chrome. Wow, that is so cool! Holy cow! So so um so when you're three D modeling a helmet, Thank let's you. say you because I know there's trial and error, and then maybe you start off with mm -hmm. uh, uh like you mentioned with the Mandalorian, the reference photos you started off with probably weren't the best. They're probably far away and not many angles. When you have all your references and measurements. How long would it take some uh, you to 3D model a helmet like that? Um, it really depends. Um, some more detailed helmets, it'll take me uh, roughly around two to three hours. Um, a uh, helmet like this, I did it. So like the last, the very last one I did, which was this one, it only took me maybe about an hour and a half to do. Um, because I did it prior to, I did it like five times already at this point. Um, but usually it'll, so now, so now I'm actually, that, that was me like, kind of like moving and that's nonstop. So now what I tend to do is I will model for like maybe a few hours, stop, walk away, either come back to the next day with a fresh pair of eyes and then kind of go through the process again of finishing it. So, um, I get a little bit more perspective. I'm able to see where I want to break the model up put different things in different places. Um, so that has helped me in my workflow process away, actually like stepping away and then coming back to the model. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so cool. With the Mandalorian one specifically, is there any plans you have with that helmet, or is it just kind of a challenge, a fun thing to do? Yeah, it was just a fun thing to do. Um, I don't have any like major plans with it. I'm not selling any kits. Yeah. Um, when the video does come out, you'll see the challenges that I run into and why I'm not going to sell any kits. But yeah, it was um, yeah. it was just something fun to learn, something to. to yeah, I'm in the middle um, of a Mandalorian build too. I'm doing uh, the baby Yoda. <laughs> I've seen that. That's nice. Yeah, he's coming along nice. He's got a bunch <laughs> of cool things he can do. So, yeah, it's coming along. Nice. I've, he's been sitting on my shelf here for two two weeks, so I haven't had the chance to work on him. So I'm going to crank him out soon. But uh, that isn't the end of your Star Wars fandom. I, I found this scrolling through some of your things. Uh, is this yeah. you? This is something you created? No, that, that, yeah, that's um, I modeled the helmet and then the arm guards. And I did the belt buckle, but Adam Savage he did the all the fabrication of the um, the cloth pieces. Okay, is that Adam Savage? And I believe. I don't know if those are his boots or my boots, but um, yeah, that's Adam Savage in it. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna. Oh, you know what? I do remember this now. I remember when, when that was happening. That's great. Yeah. How did you get connected <laughs> with uh, Tested? Um, I sent out a tweet one day. Um, just, I think I tagged them on a tweet and Adam had commented back on it. And then the next day I was contacted by, by somebody from tested and things kind of just started rolling from there. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> worked on a couple projects together and that's great to have that kind of relationship, uh, with them. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, yeah I, 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 I love Star Wars stuff too. And uh, <laughs> we've always seen my puppet stuff too, but I did a, a, a costume build of Kylo Ren. Now, oh, the, wow. The helmet is the one thing that I didn't fully make. What I, what okay. I did, I bought the, the Black Series helmet. I'm sure you're familiar. Okay. Yeah, I bought yeah, that. Right oh, you have it there? Yeah, right back there. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I, bought, I bought that helmet, but then I completely gutted it because there's all this goofy stuff inside of it. So I took all the uh, electronics out. Yeah. I took the the um, uh, visor out because it was reflective, which is not how his is. And then I and yeah. I soldered the two pieces together, smoothed it out, and oh, refinished, wow. refinished the whole thing. Actually, I got it right here. Let me just grab it quick. <laughs> I re uh, refinished the whole thing. So I got rid of the seams inside. I put uh, the oh, wow. fabric there so it doesn't have the glare. And uh, repainted the whole thing, and it looked so much better. But uh, but so though I, that wasn't 3D printed or sculpted by me. Again, I refinished that one. But I did make the rest of the costume too, and I was and I was pretty pretty proud of it. I think I do. I have it here. Oh yeah, here, I'll I'll play a little time lapse of it right here. Yeah, so that there it is. I've uh, I've got a lot of experience in sewing, so that that was my background. I used to work at a costume shop, so I did everything except for the, the making of the physical helmet, other than the finishing. But man, it was a fun project. I'm really really wow. happy how that came out. It came out. It came out great. Thanks, thanks. Now, do you ever, when you do a helmet, do you ever leave it as a 3D print, or do you always cast it? No, I um when I first started, I was doing I was leaving all that 3d prints um and i was watching a few videos like um smoothcast has a tutorial on how to mold helmets and it's kind of something i always wanted to do 
Um, so that's when I started transitioning over to um, molding helmets. Um, and just recently, hey, I've been doing it more. Um, I, like I just did one the other day and actually went through a learning process because of the type of um, printer and the material that's used reacts differently with the silicone. So I had to kind of step back, do some research and then kind of figure out how um, certain silicones will react with this resin and be able to mold the print that I um, printed and um, produce a resin mold. I mean, a resin cast from it. Yeah, I found I saw this on I think your Facebook page. This is part of your project yeah. you did. Uh, that is that is part of the Mandalorian helmet. Um, so that was this is actually my first time making a helmet mold. And again, when the video comes out, I'll talk about the lessons learned from making oh, this helmet. Yeah. Um, this was this wasn't actually an FDM print. It was a resin print. And um, at the time, I didn't know that the silicone reacts differently. Tin, um, platinum silicone reacts in a weird way with um, that type of resin that I'm using to print with. Um, and I had a big mishap and I had to go back and do certain things in order for it to not happen again. So I actually had to mold it twice. Um, it was an expensive lesson, but it was a lesson learned. Um, and that's part of the fun. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Um, I was going to say, I'm assuming there's no... Uh, uh, positive for the head form is it just like a bowl and then you roto cast it kind of yeah so it's just yeah. roto cast yep um i do a uh i did a fiberglass jacket to hold the, the the silicone in um which is not in the picture but once that sits in there you're able to pour resin in there and then do a roto cast oh god oh my gosh yeah i want to try to i've done very very basic mold making and i want to try to eventually get in to uh doing that mostly what i do is like foam fabrication stuff but i do love doing both of them but my gosh but again like like we talked about in the beginning a lot of those materials can be very expensive and then you, you yeah. mis mix a big batch of silicone you know that's that's, that's a lot of money that's expensive yeah. mistake it's an expensive yeah. mistake and i and i tried to start off small um i tried to start making like uh, just one part molds then slowly graduated to two part molds and then I felt a little bit comfortable enough to try and make a to make a um a glove a helmet mold. And sometimes the only way to you know to 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 learn is to just do it. Um, because for for a while I was afraid you know of the expense and making the mistake. But um, oh yeah, it's a learning process. A learning yeah, process. definitely. I, I would recommend people starting off kind of, kind of the way that I did. I think I think most people kind of start off with a dump mold. A simple yeah. little flat dump mold. That's what I do for a lot of the eyes that I use for my puppets and for I some other projects that I've done. That's pretty much the extent. I've never, I haven't yet done a two piece mold, which I know is still pretty basic, but uh, baby steps, baby steps. It's going to yep. be something yep. I want to tackle it first. I've got a whole uh, batch of Mold Max 30 sitting over there, a couple of gale <laughs> hop into it soon. But uh, awesome. you know, another question I just had for you is, uh, is this. What is something uh, you know now that you wish you knew when you started? I would say it's probably, and, and it's more recently here, is just learning how different materials act, react with other materials. Um, kind of just rushing into projects. I didn't do my research, and that's my mistake. Um, and learning how these products, so how like the silicone reacts with the resin, because now I'm mostly resin printing versus um, printing on an FDM printer. Um, and just learning how these um, different chemicals react with each other. Um, and again, you know, you end up in making a costly mistake. Um, 
because something didn't react properly. And no, it was probably crazy. it probably it probably would have happened anyway um, had I had done some research um, because again I'm still I was still new to it um, and you know there's little areas that I couldn't even get to until I had to do some further research and different things that you can do to kind of avoid some of the things that that happened in the in the build. That's a that's really good advice too because uh, even with the simple things that I've done and I've posted videos. Mm -hmm. About it with those dump molds people ask still to, even with something that simple they still ask you know 100 questions because they want to make sure they order the right stuff and the yep. hard thing is a lot of other people are following tutorials too and sometimes if one step wasn't covered or if you know there's a slightly different application you're using it for you really want to use different materials and yep. sometimes you know tutorials are a great place to learn parts of the process and to definitely to get the inspiration but yep. always i recommend people if they have any technical questions about what's the best resin, I know from what I've heard, SmoothOn has a really good customer service. And yes. I would highly recommend talking to them before you start purchasing large amounts of something because you think it's going to work. You know, they, they, they know what they're doing. Because exactly. what you want are two kind of chemicals that just don't work well together. I know uh, exactly. one project I did years ago, we did a production of um, uh, Evil Dead the Musical, and we were making masks for the characters. And I, I, I don't remember all the exact uh, products that we had used, but whatever... Oh, actually, actually, I think I do. We were trying to cast dragon skin in, mm. in this mold, but the problem was we had used, to sculpt the mold, we had used... Um, like a uh, plasticine and oil based and apparently okay. something with that dragon skin touching that oil makes it not mm -hmm. fully cure on the outside layer. And man, we just kept running into all these problems and we talked to them and they cleared it up for us. So yeah, there's so many obstacles that you wouldn't even think of. So it's always good exactly. to give them a call. If you're, if you're not a hundred percent sure. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the same issue I ran into. I didn't know that the resin contains a certain component that doesn't react well with um, platinum silicone, but tin silicone, it doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't react. I mean, there's no reaction. So you, so what I, I didn't know at the time that this resin contained this component that doesn't react with well with the platinum silicone. And when I pulled off the mold, everything was still tacky. It didn't cure properly. Um, and then even with the last one that I did, here I had to do it twice, um, and I thought I did the I, I took care of the process because even doing research, there's certain there's certain things that you can do um, in terms of adding primer, um, adding a crystal clear coat to it to kind of help sheet over the resin, have it like a protective protective barrier over it. Um, and I thought that you know I did my due diligence, cleaned it properly, added you know did enough coats of the clear coat. And it still didn't work properly. And then doing some further research, I learned that Silic Smooth On does have a um, tin cure brush on mold called Mold Max Stroke. And I use, ended up using it for the last helmet that I um, molded and it came on perfect. Let, let, me, let me move on to one, another thing I wanted to ask. I think, I think this will also help a lot of people is what advice might you give to someone who wants to yeah. uh, get started in 3D printing? How to get started in 3D printing? Um, I, I, I get that question a lot. I usually refer people to, um, individuals like Joel telling, um, 3d printing nerd on YouTube, um, uh, makers muse to kind of get the technical part of it because those individuals, they're really great in, 
um, reviewing the printers. Actually, the first printer I bought was based off of Maker, Maker's Muse's um, uh, suggestion when he was reviewing some printers. Um, and I tend to go back to their videos and re and do the because they really know what they're talking about in, in in terms of like technically breaking down the printer and you know how it operates and reviewing printers. Um, so I trust those guys. Um, I'm I don't get too much into the technical part of it. Um, so I usually refer people to those individuals if they're looking for a printer or looking for a recommendation for a printer. You know, I have the few that I use, and then I'll, I'll recommend those. But um, I kind of turn them more towards the professionals and say, hey, you may want to start looking down this road, kind of learn the basis of, you know, safety and what it takes. And then, you know, you can start deciding on what printer you want um, and then what kind of material you want to use. There's tons of filaments out there that you can use. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the route I give people because yeah. that's what I took when I started. I, I imagine they take a, a bit of maintenance to maintain as well, do they? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I was say, you know, it's one thing I say, even with an airbrush, that's one thing. The first thing I learned when I took an airbrush class is they said half of, of working with an airbrush is learning how to clean it, you know, yeah. that'll get rid of 99% of the problems you would have in the future. If, as long as it's cleaned, right. That's, that's, that's the yeah. first. Uh, so, so uh, what would you say about that with 3d printing? Is there any tips? Yeah. You so there is maintenance that you have to do on it. Um, again, YouTube is a great source for looking up problems forums are a great source um facebook groups are a great great source the companies going back to the companies and asking them if they have good customer service um figuring out your problems um that you may have with the printer so um there is maintenance to be done these printers is not i think there's a um a perception that is just hit the button and it goes um that's not the case uh there's steps you have to take before even getting it to the bed and then if you have the machine over a period of time at some point it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when a print is going to fail and you know how you clean that up how you if you have um a hot end that's backed up and clogged how do you clean that out um you may yeah. have you may have a multitude of problems so it's you know relying on sources that you can find the groups the groups are a great place to facebook groups are a great place to get some information yeah. 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 Cause the one thing, cause I, for, you know, maybe a year or two ago, I was in the market to buy one. I thought I was like, I want to try to get my first one. Like what, what do you recommend for someone for the first one? And I found some and like, this is good. But if the problem is though, like, especially, I mean, this is, it's a product problem with buying almost anything is, uh, you get it and then you like it, but then all of a sudden it's not big enough for your needs you know you yep. only want to upgrade really quick usually and i imagine this is an industry where they do upgrades and new versions often am i assuming that correctly yes pretty often um like creality they, they they've been cranking out printers here lately um and i fell into that same thing my printer i can't remember the exact um dimension of the print but it was pretty small and you know after maybe a month or so i immediately wanted to move up to a bigger printer so i can print the helmets in one piece um and again i'm going i went through the same process with uh the resin printers so i started off with a relatively small one and then piopoli made a really large format printer and so did frozen transform um and then piopoli is even coming out <laughs> with a bigger one and um, my eyes are set on that one as well so it's again that same thing that you know you went through of wanting the bigger and the best one. I've kind of, in terms of FDM printers, I kind of stuck with the ones that I've had because um, they work, um, they're reliable. 
I um so I can get prints out of them. And I haven't really upgraded those, but the um, resin printers I have um, gone ahead and upgraded. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. There's another another question I was just wondering. Actually, I probably should ask this in the beginning. You know, you're doing all these props and stuff. What? Why did you start doing it? Why do you do what you do? Um. So there's this there's a lot. Actually, there's quite a few reasons. Um. But one of the main reasons is because I I, I really enjoyed it. Um. I uh was out for surgery for a while and um, came across some YouTube videos. And like I, like I said, I was 3D modeling prior to all of this. Um, actually, the first set of videos I was watching was around Pepecura. And I started that as kind of like the beginning phases of it. And then I came across um, Uncle Jesse's videos when he was 3D printing helmets. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And from there, um, you know, I already knew how to 3D model. Then I had to learn the process of 3D modeling for printing and kind of just progress from there yeah yeah no i'm glad you mentioned uncle jesse i wanted to bring him on at some point too he's a hard guy to get a hold of but uh, yeah i actually <laughs> met him, i met him in person uh at the rochester maker fair this past year i was there and he was there and that's where we connected and we're he's helping yeah. me out a little bit with uh, the baby yoda project uh, <laughs> let me, uh check out some of his prints uh pictures of him so i could see y'all uh, you know, all the dimensions really well, but uh, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. he does some really slick videos too. And it seems like, yeah, I, I've watched a bunch of his videos, but not, I just, again, I just discovered him more recently. I haven't gone through the history of him, but from what I see, yeah. it seems like he's got a lot of good information on like what printers do what and what they're good for. If people yeah. are wondering, so definitely, definitely check out his website as well. Do you, do you sell your work? I, I, I do have a Patreon where I do um, uh, the monthly subscription for helmets. So I only make those helmets like available. So like for instance, the Taskmaster helmet that you showed, um, that's currently available on my Patreon. Um, so every month I try and upload a, a helmet um, for individuals to download in. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, this is his Patreon information on the on the on the screen here if you want to check it out definitely make sure you guys check out his, his page there and support him because and it's, it's been scrolling at the bottom the whole time too he's very active on twitter his youtube channel is awesome as well and he does a bunch of stuff on instagram posting some of uh his work um there's there's been a bunch of questions here that i do want to get to quick let me just uh just take a peek here oh i was going to talk about puppets too yeah you wanted to show some of your puppet work Oh yeah. Um, yeah let me see. so I have an Elmo that I made a while back. Oh um, look at that. <laughs> so that's the Elmo I made. Um awesome. the, so you know he's gotten kind of tossed to the side a little bit, so he needs some grooming up. I'm sure I'm um, sure he gets played with a lot with your uh, with your kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you know he got <laughs> like, say, yeah. <laughs> And then I have this L3. one. I still, to, I still haven't put the arm, the other arm on this one. But you know, this was the first one I did actually like feet for. Mm. I still need to attach the other arm. But this one, and this was the first one I actually went through and weathered the um the fur. So I like I I boiled it and then ran it through the dryer to kind of get this kind of texture on it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, that looks great. <laughs> yeah, is that uh, feathers you, in the hair? Yep, a uh, little like, I think it was like little like fake ostrich feathers. And then I took a piece of the actual fur and um, glued it onto the top to kind of create the contrast in, in the hair. 
here. Yeah. Yeah, those look great. Yeah. Oh, we have another we have a good question here too. Uh thank you. What what is the most difficult thing you've ever made? And what's your most favorite? So my favorite so far is this bat right here. Um actually I have two favorites. So this this guy right here, which is the Urukai helmet. And then the um I don't have it right now, it's actually at another location. Mm -hmm. Um the Ram Koto's lightsaber. Um and the reason why it was my favorite because I had so much fun doing them. Um, this 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 helmet right here, it was actually it was a really bad print. Like it was extremely brittle, and just the process of getting it rock hard and firm um, was really really. Uh, it, the pro the whole process was fun. So I really had fun making this one. Again, just like the Ram Koto lightsaber, it was so much fun that I made two. So I actually have the other one. I was just finishing that one today. Um, so I'm, I'm actually going to give this one away when I uh, make the video for it. So this will be a giveaway for somebody to to have in their house or in oh, their display. Oh, someone on your Patreon? Uh, actually, this is going to be a giveaway just on YouTube. So I'll probably figure out a way where we can do a contest where just draw a name from someplace. I just thought, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to do that. Mm. And then just be a nice little giveaway for somebody. Oh, that's great. Man. That is awesome. And the most difficult one, I, I would probably say was... Um, I can't really pin down one because each project presents its own difficulty. Um, so just trying to, you know, maneuver around the workflow process and trying to figure out, um, you know, deal with each difficulty that comes up. So each project presents its own difficulty. This one, you know, even the last resin um, uh, cast that I did presented its own problems. So kind of just navigating through each difficult uh, or each issue um, and just overcoming it. I actually have to walk away from this one. I keep saying this one. I haven't showed it yet, but oh. it's the Silver Hawk helmet. It was an old cartoon back in the 80s. Oh, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. Look at that. So this is this is the actual um, resin print. And then this is the first pull from the mold. So I actually have to go back and make some more pulls. But this was the actual first, trying to get it in there, first pull of the mold. So That looks beautiful. Oh, my God. Thank you. That looks really nice. Yeah, because uh, yeah. So I asked um. So you do some of the stuff. You have some giveaways that you do for Patreon. Some stuff you want to do on your YouTube channel for giveaways as well. What um do you do? You actually sell any things as well? Um, like in terms of like finished products. Oh uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so any finished products? I've only sold a few. Um, I I I don't do commissions. Um, I I kind of try and tend to stay away from, stay away from commissions. Yeah. Um, but I've only sold a few. Um, and I like the Infinity Gauntlet was one. I still I sold my Stormbreaker, I sold the Nova Corp helmet. Um, but I tend not to kind of like push finished products out mm -hmm. as much. Um as I'm making uh, mold, I made yeah, made so. that. I'm sorry. You mentioned uh kits available sometimes. Is that something that yeah, you I will yeah, I haven't done it yet. Um I'll, I probably will in the future make some kits available. Once I get, once I, my whole thing is making sure that I get my process down and correct and have a good enough product to actually send out to somebody. Because the last thing I want to do is send out a resin kit that's full of air bubbles, full of seam lines, yeah. full of, um, you know, ton of cleanup that the individual has to do. So once I get to a place where I'm comfortable enough and say, okay, I feel like this is a good enough, I'm at a place where I can make a good enough two-part mold or helmet mold. Um, where the product, the end product is, you know, 
acceptable or it's good enough that I feel that can somebody can actually do minimal cleanup on it. Um, that's when I'll start, um, you know, getting into that whole phase of making kits up and selling them. That's amazing. Do you ever sell any of your models that you make as well? The the files? Yes. So th those are on Patreon. I don't actually like sometimes I will, depending like somebody uh, messaged me, I may sell it here and there. But for the most part, I keep that stuff to Patreon. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. You know, one more thing I just wanted to uh, bring in here is, again, uh, pointing people to your YouTube channel. And here it is. Again, look at that awesome graphic design. We, we glazed over that. He is a graphic designer by day. And you can definitely tell that if you watch his videos, the graphic design that's in there. Like we mentioned earlier, I really enjoyed uh, in this uh, Kermit Sword video, the, the typography you did that 3D logo of it. Um, and again, you, you'll if you check out his channel, subscribe, watch his videos, you will you will definitely love it. So definitely you. you get there, hit the subscribe button. You can see right there that I already am too. Thank you. But uh, that's great. Well, uh, I think, I think that's just, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or, or cover? No, um, I, I do have videos coming. Um, oh, yeah. I've been out of it, been out of it for like over a good year now. Um, I've had some, you know, personal things going on. Like I'm coming, actually coming up on the year that my sister, my dad passed away. So that's something that we're still dealing with and trying to cope with. Um, and just personal stuff, I had some health issues. Um, so I just really gotten back into, like this is my first kind of like on-screen back and forth interview type of thing that I've done in over, over a year now. Um, actually like my first on-camera kind of stuff. Like I actually sat down two days ago to record some stuff, but um this month i've really been like getting back into making and and getting stuff out so i'm working on videos now to put out there and um get out there to the subscribers because at last year i was at like i think at nine thousand subscribers somewhere around there and since then it's grown to thirteen thousand. um so you know i'm trying to get something out so i can you know at least welcome the new subscribers and for me not being active and i'm for that to rise like that is it still it still blows my mind Wow, that's awesome. Well, yeah, we're definitely glad to have you back. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's what we, we all need, especially as people who create content. Sometimes you just, uh, you know, get a little fatigued with it and you just need yeah. to take a break. And, you know, family first and self-care is yeah. the most important thing, especially in a time like this, where obviously it affects people so much differently, whereas some people it may have a little more time to do something like this and other people it's time to really focus on family. But I think it's uh, really about being able to kind of keep yourself busy in a positive way, which um, again, your videos are a great outlet for that. And, and people are looking forward. I see in the comments here, people are looking forward to seeing uh, some things that you have coming up. Thank you. So, yeah. So uh, thanks again. Uh, and uh, where is the best place for people to find uh, all of your information and follow you? Um, you can follow me over on Twitter at the Brooklyn 83, or you can follow me over on Instagram at the Brooklyn 83. And as you stated earlier, you know, I do have the YouTube channel and um, looking forward to putting out some more content um, and getting some more bills and, you know, some helpful information out there for people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And if you want to get some of his files, you got to join him on Patreon. So make sure you do that because his files are amazing. You can see them in all the videos. And well, uh, Daryl, thank you again for coming on. And I think people uh, 
learned a lot about 3D printing and are excited to get started. I know where I oh, that was the one thing I was going to show. My, my extent of 3D printing that my dad did for me. Um, uh, I, I use it. Uh, so this is a little mechanism puppet that I'm working on. He's going to uh -huh. have flapping wings and a little uh, oh, wow. going. It's, just, it's almost going to be. It's not going to be a literal Angry Bird, but it's going to be Angry Bird-esque in that it's going to be essentially a ball of fur with wings and a beak. But um, one thing I have 3D printed on here is this slide mechanism here. Oh, wow. It's a little hard to see. But uh, that was something that uh, my dad uh, put together in uh, SolidWorks. He, he modeled it for me. That's his background in engineering. And then he's got okay. a, little maker, a, a maker bot that he must have gotten, oh, my gosh, probably close to 10 years ago maybe eight years ago and then he printed it but one thing that i thought was really interesting about that printing and we kind of talked about it a little bit before when we were talking about the um the way things are laid on the bed mm -hmm. uh, one thing that we found is how this was positioned on the bed affected uh the way that it worked so much because we, we oh, had yeah. printed it this way and it was it was wasn't that smooth but then we printed it standing up on its edge and it was super smooth and it worked amazing so that must be wow. the way the print lines were uh, for the slide mechanism part. But uh, I should have brought that up earlier. <laughs> Sorry, I meant to bring that up. But uh, but nice. anyway, guys, make sure you follow <laughs> Daryl everywhere. His handles have been scrolling at the bottom for uh, most of the show. So definitely check that out. And thank you again for coming on the show, bud. Thank you for having me. Sure thing. Bye.